introducing one of our senior pastors who always brings a word in season to encourage and challenge us. So church, why don't we put our hands together as Pastor Jacob comes up to share the message. Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning. Who else is excited? It's, oh gosh, there's a, it's a good place to be. Prayer and fasting, like when we, like, let's be really honest. Put your spiritual hat back where you left it, the plastic face. When we, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy, I'm smiling, church is good, life's amazing. Now we forget about that. When we think about prayer and fasting, I think too often it's more of, oh no, someone's asking me to lay down the flesh. I'm going to have to do something I don't want to, I'm serious, like I'm, this is me, when God puts it on my heart to fast, I can't say, yeah, all right, no food, awesome. <laughs> or when, um, you know, one of our, when Melissa tells me, yeah, we got, our church is having a, a, I think we need to go into a, a corporate fast. I can't, I, I, honestly, my first response, maybe my mouth is like, yeah, awesome, <laughs> but inside, I, I can assure you, there's a little journey from where that is to where that's, and it's a bit more like, oh, no. Uh, I'm looking, you've, you know, I think about, you know, honestly, this is what I'll do. If, I, if I've got dates, especially, I'll be thinking, okay, what's between then and then? What's the key meals I'm missing? What's the events that I'm going to have to lay down and different things? And um, look, look, maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys are a lot more spiritual than me, a lot more disciplined, a lot more hungry for the things of God rather than hungry for the food. And, uh, but that's me. So I'm actually really impressed you guys came out knowing that we are having a, a series on prayer and fasting. I, I, I think you guys are awesome. I think these are some people that are choosing God over the flesh. Okay, so what is prayer? And what, okay, prayer, hopefully we know what prayer is. For those that don't know, prayer is talking to God simply. That's what prayer is. Fasting, what is that? Well, fasting is when we don't do something. Typically, when the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about food. Um, there are different types of fasts. Uh, there's a time where uh, this guy Daniel in the Bible, he fasted meat. Now, this is, I feel your pain, Daniel. Uh, and uh, that was, it, and we'll often call that a Daniel fast. And, and that's just talking about basically just, just vegetables, really, just eating fruit and vegetables. Um, so there are different types, but really what it is, it's, it's putting down things that, are, that, your f- that your flesh, and by flesh that's talking about your, uh, your humanity really, longs for. And I think the thing our body wants the most is food and water, and, and then it sort of, sort of progresses from there down. But So when we're talking about fasting, what we're talking about doing is laying down things that are important to our body, laying down things that are uh, what our body wants. And really this is your body, like food, sex and sleep, that's like, it, that's totally satisfied your, your, your flesh. It just all it wants is to be satisfied. All it cares about is feelings. And, and it'll do anything it, can, anything it can to get these nice feelings. So when we're laying down things, what we're actually doing is we're saying, body, you are not in charge. I'm not being run by my feelings. I'm choosing faith over feelings. And, that, and, and 
I, I don't have haven't written the book on it, uh, but that's a sort of that's basically what happens. And so what starts to happen when we fast is we are able to hear God a lot clearer. We're able to hear God a lot clearer. And I just want to walk through some, uh, some scripture and, and just talk about how that's important and why we would do that. And then um, ultimately, my hope is that I would ignite in you a desire to become a person of prayer and fasting, become someone who uh, this is part of your spiritual discipline. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. Let's start. Uh, so just a little bit of context. Jesus has just been up on the mountain. We, we call the story the Mount, uh, the, the, the Mount uh, Transfiguration. That, what that means is Jesus went up the mountain with a few of his disciples. God met him. Jesus started glowing. Moses came down. Elijah came down. There was just this radical, radical experience. Then Jesus and uh, three of his key disciples come down the mountain after this just amazing event to, the, to this situation. Uh, so now when they came down the mountain uh, to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them, so immediately they ran to welcome him. What are you arguing about with the religious scholars, he asked them. A man spoke up out of the crowd. Teacher, he said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples hoping they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. Jesus said to the crowd, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus. As soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Jesus turned to the father and asked, How long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied. He tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire or water. But please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears saying, I do believe, Lord, help my little faith. Now when Jesus saw that the crowd was... Uh, quickly growing larger, he commanded the demons saying, deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The demon shrieked and, and threw the boy into a terrible seizures and, and finally came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand and raised him to his feet and he stood there completely set free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private, why couldn't we cast out the demon? He answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. This type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. So we're looking at this story. Basically, in a nutshell, a guy needed help for his son. 
came there. The disciples were there. They were, and you can just imagine, in the name of Jesus, demon, get out. Nothing happened. Try a little harder. In the name of Jesus. The little hanky out in the... In the name of Jesus, I tell unto you, take thee henceforth and now. And nothing happened. And then, and basically they're at this point where they are at an impasse where they've done all they know to do and still nothing's happened. And then Jesus comes and, and then it just gets weird. So Jesus comes down the mountain Maybe not. Okay, put yourself in the perspective of you are one of the so one of the nine, the nine that are there. You've already cast out demons. The scripture says that um, these guys did that stuff all the time. Jesus would send them out on their own, independent of him, and they had this authority, and he gave them the authority to cast out demons. So they're experienced uh, exorcists, if you like. They're experienced uh, spiritual warriors, ministers. They've done this before. Uh, they're, and it's just not working. They're not used to it not working. They hang out with a guy who it always works for. They walk around with his authority and they, they do amazing things. And, but it's not working. They're getting in arguments with people. I, um, this what's, I just wonder at this point, what are they arguing about? I, if I wrote this book, I would put some more details in it. They were arguing about, I'm guessing, I'm totally guessing, but the way I'm guessing is because I've heard these arguments. When people try to cast out a demon, when people try to raise the dead, when people try to heal the sick, and it doesn't work, I've heard the arguments. I've heard them. And they go something like this. Well, I think God just wanted them to be sick. Oh, it brings about God glory by them, the way they handle the sickness. It was the Lord's will that this terrible thing happened. That's why we couldn't rectify the situation. And then the arguments happened because the nature of God and what's being experienced are in direct contrast. The What we know is available, the power that we know is available to through God, is not being demonstrated by people who could normally demonstrate this power. So what starts to happen is the question, the discussion comes up, does God want to do what we're asking him to do? And the, the cop-out excuse is no, he doesn't. That's why we're not seeing the miracle, because God doesn't want to do it. God doesn't want to do it. And then, why doesn't God want to do it? Doesn't he love that boy? Oh, well, I think there was sin in his life. I think that the father sinned. I think that because of different circumstances. And you can just imagine the argument. You can imagine the discussion, the heated discussion going on. But then Jesus comes down the mountain and comes to this mess. You've got to think, he's just come from the most radical experience recorded in Scripture. He's glowing in the dark. God's talking from heaven. Moses and Elijah have just rocked up and he's just, come, he's just come from this crazy experience. He comes down to his disciples in a mess. Sorry, I'm picking that side of the room. Not being, I could use that side. He can't, and there's, well, uh, 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 health and safety. <laughs> and, there's a, and, there's, and, and it's just going on like, 
and he's coming to this, where they're talking about him, and they're getting it wrong. He's walked, he's walked in on, you ever walked in on a conversation and they're talking about you? Or you overheard the phone conversation and they're talking about you? And you just, just give it one second, because I'm curious. It's like, but they're going it wrong. And Jesus is like, and Jesus said to the crowd, so he's got these 12 guys that have just been with him. He, he, he has private discussions with them. They're staying with him. They're living together. They're uh, on mission trips. They're camping together. They're, they're, these guys are tight. There's nine of them that, and I think the only reason that this is the nine that were weak in faith is just because the other three didn't happen to be there. Uh, I think if the 12 had been there, they would have been 12 of them. Don't you love it when it's like you miss out on the thing? <laughs> You're like, they're all getting in trouble, but it's not you. <laughs> and, and it's just the nine. And, and, but these guys are tight with Jesus. They know him. They know him. They, they're with him first thing in the morning when he wakes up. They're, they eat with him all the time. But then he says to the crowd, and all of a sudden these special guys aren't being treated as special. They're being treated as just one of the crowd. They're just being pe- treated as like, nah, you guys, I'm talking to all of you. No, no, you too. You as well. And, and he says this to them, why are you such faithless people? This is actually, I think, the biggest reprimand Jesus gave his followers he gave some pretty severe uh, rebukes to people who weren't his followers, but to his actual followers, I think this is probably the most severe reprimand he gives them. You faithless people. Uh, in another, in another pl- translation, it says you perverse and unbelieving generation. Like he is really, really harsh language here. And but, he, and, and, but I think even more is these special guys are now just part of the crowd. And... They're hearing the one that they're talking about representing on his side even conflicting with the leaders. No, and he's just put them all in the same basket. And, he, and you've got to remember, they're all there to see him. They're all there because he's around. They're all following him in one way, shape or form. Some of them more closely, some of them just to see the show. Some of them to prove him wrong, all different reasons. But, and he just puts them all in the same basket. And, and he gives them the most severe rebuke. He gives any, any believers in Scripture, you perverse and unbelieving generation, one translation says, in this translation it says, you faithless people. But then it, there's the most amazing, he just rebuked them as heavily as he possibly could. And I love his response here. He's like, how much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? It sounds a bit harsh, but think about it. What he's saying there is, guys, you have really blown it. You obviously need more of me. You need, you need more of me. This, this is, his, this is his, his solution to their sin, to their falling short to their missing the mark, is you obviously need more of me. Isn't that cool? Even when God's busting you. People say that our sin separates us from God, that until we confess and repent, we've got to disconnect. That's not how Jesus saw it. He said, 
you guys have blown it. You obviously need me more. <laughs> you can't run. The scripture says, where can I hide from you? Uh, Adele started by saying, there isn't heaven or hell can't separate us from the love of God. Jesus is saying, even at your lowest point, the solution is more of me. So he's at this place where he's like, okay, you need more of me. Uh, and he's not happy about it. He's like, he's, anyway. Uh, so he's saying here, how much longer will I uh, remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. Then he demonstrates his perfect will. He demonstrates his perfect will towards sick. He demonstrates his perfect will towards the oppressed. He demonstrates his perfect will towards those who are downtrodden and afflicted by the devil in any way, shape, or form. And he says to the father, he brought the, so brought him to him, and the, as the demon saw him, the boy freaks, the, the demon freaks out. This would have been a good point for Jesus to address the demon. He's, he's hurting the boy presently. Instead, he talks to the father. He says, how long has this been going on? How on earth does that even matter right now? What does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? When this boy is on the ground getting hammered by this demon, convulsing, he's in the middle. If any of you have seen somebody in a, uh, an epileptic convulsion, this is what we understand it to be. It's a, a pretty intense experience, and this is just happening here. And Jesus is talking to the Father here. He says, how long has this been going on for? And, and the, the, the dad said, man, it's been going on forever. It's not good and tells him some of the stuff and the problems and the associated issues. And then, I love this dad. This dad's awesome. If you're able to, he's like, <laughs> how long has this been going on? Um, since childhood, he replied. He tries over and over to kill him by throwing him in the fire or the water. He's all the problems. But please, enough, enough of the quest. Please, if you are able to, he says, if you are able to. If you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help him. He's like, who cares, Jesus? Help if you can. <laughs> and this is like Jesus is more upset right now than he was when he came down. Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I don't see nobody else here. <laughs> you must. And, and he's like, what do you mean if? What do you mean if? He says, if you believe, anything is possible for him who believes. But he's, he's saying to the dad, if. He's saying, like, what do you mean if? So what he actually has managed to do through his question is he's actually isolated the issue. The issue is if. Two-letter answer, two-letter problem, if. The dad knows the nature of God. Some of us, our question isn't if you are able. Some of us, our question is if you are willing. Still the, still the same problem, if. He's managed to isolate the problem with the father. What do you mean if? And then he's, then the dad, I just love this father, is if you are able to believe all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears saying, I do believe, Lord, help my little faith. 
Now, when Jesus saw the crowd was quick, quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon, saying, Deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. Now, when uh, the demon shrieked and threw the boy into, a terrible seizure, into terrible seizures and finally came out of him, as the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everybody thought he was dead. But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand, raised him, stood on the ground completely free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private, now they weren't part of the crowd. Now they were their collective again, what they were used to. Even though they had fallen short of him, he was still included them, he brought them together. There's been no apology at this point. There's been no repentance at this point. They're just back together. Why couldn't we cast out the demon? He answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. So, properly understand this passage we have to understand that jesus totally laid aside his deity when he came to earth he 100 was man he was god in name only he was operating on planet earth as 100 human being empowered by the holy spirit the same holy spirit that's available to you and i so jesus was there as man the son of man it's very important we understand that and it is so critical when we read that in the scripture the son of man it's very important that that passage is written for you and for me to understand that jesus was living on earth as an example to what's available for you and me without exception so jesus saying to these guys this type of powerful spirit this type of massive problem only comes out by prayer and fasting now Jesus had come down from a mountain, ran into a problem, had a conversation with a dad, cast the devil out of this boy. At no point do we see Jesus say, right, I need to stop right here. I'm going to see you in three days. I'm going to go back up the mountain, spend some time in fasting and prayer. It's not in there. So what does he mean by this type only comes out by prayer and fasting? He's not saying you need to go and pray and fast about a demon to get it out. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. Because he didn't do it. He demonstrated that you can cast the devil out without going off and doing that. So what's he actually talking about? So, we get, we, 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 so we've got one person who was able to cast the demon out. We had nine people who were not able to cast the demon out. Jesus didn't go away and pray and fast to cast the demon out. He came down, spoke to it, it left. There was a difference. So the one who could spoke to the ones who couldn't and said, you little faith, you unbelieving generation, you of little faith. He's talking to the dad says, if you believe, you can do anything. So this is the difference, is Jesus believed he could, the disciples didn't. Jesus said, you can only have that type of faith if you're living a life of prayer and fasting. Because we see he didn't walk off and pray and fast. 
but he was able to do it, which meant he prayed and fast. He was living in a, in a realm of authority that was available to him because he lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. His disciples didn't have that authority because they weren't living a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. What this, when, so when Jesus is saying about the prayer and fasting, what he's actually saying is this is how you have the faith. Because what was the problem? Faithless generation. Little faith. The solution, therefore, is faith. Jesus is saying we have this type of faith through prayer and fasting. Can I just tell you, the disciples would have been saying the right stuff to that devil. They knew the words to say. They wouldn't have said anything very different to what Jesus said. Sure, they put on the right front. They looked totally good. To a lesser devil, it would have gone. To a lesser problem, it would have gone. To a lesser issue, it would have gone. But to this big problem, they couldn't get over that hurdle. So, which brings us down to fasting. What's, what is it? How does it work? What, what's the point? So, what fasting really does, because, okay, let's just screw it right down. Faith comes by hearing. What's the problem? Little faith. What's the solution? More faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. When we are fasting, when we are fasting, we are, so you are a spirit. This is important to know. You are a spirit. Your identity is a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Our problem is, is our house, if you like, talks way too loud. We listen too much to the house. The house says, I want the chemicals to feel good. Whatever makes the chemicals tickle around in my little gray matter here makes me feel nice. I want to do that. The soul is actually the decision-making part the spirit if you're born again it says your spirit is one with christ and it's no longer i who lives but christ who lives with me i'm hidden in christ i'm seated in heavenly places i'm 100 there's all of this stuff that where we see inconsistencies with our life and to what the bible says our position is is because it's in the spirit and your spirit is 100% healed. Your spirit is 100% saved if you're born again. Your spirit has 100% peace if you're, if you're born again. Your spirit has 100% provision. It's got everything. It's perfect. Your soul decides who it will be governed by. So our soul, which is our mind, our will, our intellect, listens if we're spiritual listen to our spirit if you're worldly and carnal we'll listen to your flesh and a great way of just taking the flesh off the throne of stopping the flesh being the dominating voice to your to your soul is to actually just cut it off just say no and and, and this is why fasting is has its own level of of of, of uh, the way it can do that is because the most basic need our body has is for food and it's just saying, you don't even get to talk about that right now. I'm not listening to that right now. And it actually just stops. And then this moves us to a point where we're in a position where in, um, 
Hebrews 4.12, it says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it divides between the motives and the intention of the heart, the, the joints and marrow, the motives and the intention of the heart. So what it actually starts to do is it starts to open us up. It starts to open us up where the Word of God can actually come in. And it's so easy when we're thinking self-satisfying thoughts that the Word comes to us. And it's so easy just to twist it and make it how we want it to fit us. Like some of us will be, oh, I'm fasting. Yeah, so I'm going to fast TV. Cool. But that's great. Good on you to do that. It's good. But it's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about fasting. It's just, I'm going to fast Facebook. Cool. But that's not what it's talking about. We, we maneuver it to sort of fit our agenda and to fit our... But what happens when we start to really hear the word is it cuts between the motives and the intention of our heart. We're actually, it's all laid bare. And we're at a point where we can actually hear the voice of God. We can hear the voice of God. We can hear God's heart. And then this is where it starts to, the rubber really hits the road. In Isaiah 58, and, and it, it, it talks about, it, it says like, because what, really what fasting is, is it's, it's humbling. It, you're, we're humbling ourselves. That, that's the crux of what it is. And by humbling ourselves, what that actually means is we're saying, God, you're God, I'm not. Essentially, that's what it's saying. And as the word starts to become clear to us, we further humble ourselves by saying, God, you know what? I believe what you say over what I've previously thought. I believe what your word says over my life experiences that contradict it. And we start to, and we continue to humble ourselves by simply believing what the word says over our own intelligence if you like when it contradicts it and and we're, as we're humbling ourselves basically we're moving we're moving ourselves into a position where we can hear the voice of God and, and 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 believe it because what was the problem the unbelieving generation what was the solution prayer and fasting we're actually positioning ourselves to actually hear and obey hear and believe then when we get to this point where we, we start to have a clarity you can hear the voice of God with such clarity when we start to really hear the voice of God with this clarity what starts to happen is we start to not just hear his word we start to catch his heart and we start to if we listen and this is why it's so important that that word is cutting us and dividing between the joints and marrow the motives and the intention of the heart because he'll say stuff to you like Pastor Malcolm when he was on a three-day fast God said move from Sydney to WA and start a drug rehab. Short version of the story. I can promise you, Pastor Malcolm was living a fantastic life on the coast, very well, lots of things going well, and God says, come to the desert. What happened? Because he was hearing the voice clearly, he could hear not just the words, but the heart of the Father. And as he's connecting with that clarity, God starts to give us mission. Mission. Because he's doing stuff. He's wanting stuff done. And we have a problem called the flesh, which just wants to feel good. That's all it ever wants. That doesn't want to sacrifice it's feeling good for anything. 
So once we're able to get the flesh to the side, we're in a position where we can hear God with clarity and he will start to speak to us. I was on a fast and God asked me to start a school program. And I'll be really honest, I I don't want to start a school program. I've been talking to school kids doing this for years and years and I was, I didn't want to do that. And then I was driving along and God said, do it. (laughs) I'm like, (coughs) and then I said, God, well, it's going to cost this much to get it started. I'm talking, I just said that to God in my head. I didn't even talk it out loud. And then the phone rang. Someone come and asked me to do something and they paid me the exact amount I just told God it was going to cost me. Because when we've got the flesh on the side, we can hear God with clarity. When we can hear God with clarity, we catch his heart. And what he cares about in Isaiah 58 says, is the type of fast I'm calling you to just to humble yourself. Just to like hear me like clearly and just get blessed. And it's like, no, isn't it to help the widow? Isn't it to feed the poor? Isn't it to free the oppressed? And then we move, that's Isaiah 58, three more chapters over. Isaiah 61 says, I've anointed you. I will turn there because this is key to 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 where we're going today. Isaiah 61, and we'll just start at the start. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Uh, because he has anointed, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for, um, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, planting of the Lord. They'll rebuild ancient ruins. Who's they? This is the ones that you've just helped restore. This is the ones that have just been rescued because you answered the call of God. They will restore ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who are they? They're the people that, because you heard the clarity of God, because you actually stepped out in faith, made a difference, it it rolled on. God's calling us as a church into a time of fasting, not so we can be more spiritual, because he wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to be able to actually engage with what he wants to do in our city. You've got to understand, you don't get this shirt size by not really liking food. I went down to Teen Challenge with a drug addiction in 2003. I worked out heaps while I was there, which meant I could eat as much as I wanted. And then I sort of left there, couldn't work out as much as I wanted. Time got the better of me and my metabolism changed, but the appetite never did. When I'm here talking about fasting, for those who know me, I love to cook. I I love to cook, I love to barbecue, I love to... And this is, for me, something where you can't just say, well, it's okay for him is what I'm saying here. You, you can't just say that. Well, he's a spiritual person. He's a pastor. He should be fine with it. Yeah, you've got to understand that th- th- this part of the flesh speaks very loudly, as you can see. And when God's calling us to a fast, 
let's not excuse ourselves. I mean, I understand some of us have got medical issues and things like that, and we need to be wise with it. But some of us, it's not a medical issue. It's, we're just listening too loud to our flesh. Some of us, we're just, I don't care what the Word says. I don't care what the preacher just told me. I don't care that we're being called into a fast next week on grand final day. I want to feel good rather than making myself available to be used by God to influence people that will transform the city. And cool, no, like, look, you can blow it as bad as you want and, and I'll just be like Jesus. It says, how much longer will I have to put up with you? You obviously need to be here more. Cool. You're more than. And Jesus took the nine aside and he still kept him and he still loved him. But I like to think they learned. I like to think they learned. I like to think that when he said that type only comes out by prayer and fasting, and they were like, right. I've got to order the priorities in my life and work out what matters to me. Does feeling good matter? than rescuing a generation? Does feeling good matter more to me than transforming a city? And history showed that eight of those nine guys got it. History shows that all 11 apart from Judas who didn't get it went on and transformed the world. And we're here not just because of the work of Christ. We're here because 11 of those guys took a hold of this message and went out and changed the world. And I just think we're invited into that same, that, that, that same legacy. And I'm just going to pray that as a church, as we, for those that don't know, we're, the fast, we're, we're starting a fast on Saturday to Saturday and then on Sunday... The 1st of November, we're launching as Everyday Church. And next week, I'm going to talk a lot more about corporate fasting and just how it fasting births moves of God. And But that's next week. You don't want to miss that. I'm going to pray for us as a church that we would be people that would prefer the will of God over feeling good would actually dare to believe that his life for us is better than the one we can get for ourselves via McDonald's, via flame-grilled burgers from Hungry Jack's or whatever your poison is. But before I do that, we've been talking about this reborn spirit. We're talking about this life that God has for us. And, and that starts with making a decision to follow Christ. And I'm just going to ask us just all right now just to bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And if you, I don't know where, where, peop, where people are on their journey, their spiritual journey, but if you're in a place where you aren't a follower of Christ, and, and I'm inviting you guys online as well, 
I believe that this morning is your morning. Today is your day. You're not here by accident. You're not listening to or watching this by accident. If that's you and you would like to say to me, Jacob, what you've been talking about today really resonated with me and I want to make this decision to follow Christ. If that's you, just while no one's looking around, I just want to invite you just to slip your hand in the air. And if you're in your car listening to this, I want you to just put your hand in the air. Just as a faith statement, as a faith declaration. We're going to pray as a church. I'm just going to ask for every believer just to join with me in prayer. And by that, I mean just repeat after me. Just repeat after me now, guys. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to live your way. Today, I declare I am a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name. So while we're in this attitude of prayer, I just want to pray for us as a church. Lord, we choose you over us. We choose the destiny you've placed on our lives personally and as a church over our feelings. And Lord, as we preparing to head into a fast, God, we know that our body speaks loudly. So we pray for a grace just to step out in faith and follow you. To step out in faith and, and to lay down our flesh. To pursue you and your call. Lord, I believe you've got exciting things for us as individuals, as families, and as a church. God, we're here to say that we put you first. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, guys.